0: For those of you that don't know me, my name is Johnny Gonzalez. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is uh, such a great honor and a privilege today uh, to be able to uh, open this word up and be able to share it with you guys. And uh, I can't tell you how much I've anticipated this moment. So thank you, Zach. Uh, We have a wonderful pastor, don't we? and so, please know that I don't take this lightly, and it is a real uh, tremendous privilege for me to be up here, uh, uh, to be able to share the word. And so, uh, if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, uh, Luke chapter 9. Today, we're starting a new series, uh, and this series, we've titled it, That God is Faithful. Can, there, can anyone say amen to God being faithful? Yeah. And so uh, as we go through this series, we start it today and we'll end it on Easter. Yes, Easter is around the corner. Uh, So we're going to end it on Easter. And so as we go through uh, this this series, we have a few hopes. Number one, we hope that this series will minister to you and cause you to grow in your awareness of God's faithfulness. We pray and we hope that this series is a series that you'll look back to often to remind you of the truth that God is faithful, okay? So don't let this be just a one-time thing. You come to church on a Sunday, but my hope is, is, that, is that later on, whenever you start doubting the faithfulness of God, that you can come back and you can say, oh, I remember when Johnny or, or uh, the, the rest of us who are going to be teaching through this series, you can come back and say, I need to get reminded of that truth. Let me go back and, and hear what, what, did, uh, what happened here. And then we hope that this series is a series that reminds you that the faithfulness of God leads us into Easter. He sent his son, Jesus, and so we get to celebrate what I personally like to call the Super Bowl of Church Sundays is Easter Sunday when Jesus resurrected on the third day. It is because of God's faithfulness towards us that Jesus resurrected. Amen? All right. So let's read Luke chapter 9, and we're going we're gonna to get into this. Here we go. Luke 9, starting in verse 10, and it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, watch this, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Isn't Jesus amazing? The sermon title for today is God is Faithful. To provide. So if you're taking notes this morning, uh, you, you want to write down, God is faithful to provide. And I would encourage you that after this sermon, that at some point throughout your week, that you would talk to someone. Uh, Jonathan Edwards had this practice, where he would write down uh, notes of any sermons that he would have, and then he would go and sit down with a friend or sit down with uh, with his community, and he would go through the sermon and go through a series of questions, one of those mainly being, what did God convict me of in this sermon? And w- and what is my response to that conviction? And so that's why we pull out notes, and that's why we encourage you here at Antioch to, to open your Bibles and to write notes so that you throughout your week and, and at any point further down the line, you can come back to this, to your notes, and, and, and read what God spoke to you through this time together. Amen? All right. So um, all cards on the table. I'm just going to throw them out on the table. I'm fearful, okay? So I've, I've learned uh, that anytime I go into a setting like this or anytime I go into a meeting, uh, there, I need to be able to uh, go out and just go ahead and just be vulnerable as I'll get out. And here's the reason why. Because at, at this, at, as I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and I'm processing, there's a tendency in me to get ahead of myself. And, and what happens is, is that I get fearful to the point where I become ineffective. I get in my own way. And so here's the reason why I'm, why I'm fearful. This entire week, has been one of those weeks where, uh, where I've been wrestling with the Lord, and I, I've preached this sermon actually three times already. Uh, the first time to my wife, the second time to the staff uh, of, 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 you know, of this church, and then the third time really to myself before the Lord. And the entire time I'm wrestling with it because, I'm, because uh, and I'll explain here in a minute, but, but it's because we came out of an intense season. My wife and I just came out of an intense season of having to trust the provision of God And as I'm, as I was kind of preaching this to my wife and as I was preaching this to the staff, they just said, Johnny, you need to tap into how the Lord has been faithful to you personally and tell your story. And so here's why I'm fearful. I'm fearful because I'm afraid that this is going to be more about me. And you, you hear more about me than you hear about the faithfulness of God. So there you go. All cards on the table. So hear me when I say that if I'm saying I and me a lot, one, I just want you to get to know me because I'm new here, (laughs) right? And number two, the reason why I'm doing this is because the scripture, and I had to continually put this truth down in my mind, scripture continually reminds us to declare the wonders and the glory of God. And so I'm just here so that, so that I can be an instrument to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to you. And so there you go, devil. Get out of here. There you go. All right. <laughs> and so with that said, this story for us has been a deeply personal topic for my family and I. Um, the reason why it's been uh, deeply personal is I'll get to there, but, but I, I can go all the way back to 1979. That's not when I was born. I was born in 1985. But in 1979, my parents came from Guatemala over into the States. For what reason? The same reason why anyone would come to the States. is for the American dream. And they came over because they wanted to provide a better life for themselves. And at the time, my brother was five months old. And so they decided to come to the States because they wanted to, to, to provide a better life. They had an ethic of hard work. My mom uh, worked at the Stetson factory. My dad was a factory worker, a sheet metal worker, uh, is to this day. Uh, my mom still works to this day, and, and she works in, a, in an electronic assembly line, and they have an ethic of hard work that I remember growing up, and my mom having to to take me to my grandmother's house where I grew up and and at at four o'clock in the morning to drop me off because another church lady from the church that they went to would come and pick me up and take me to school Monday through Friday. And so every day my parents would wake up early in the morning, work, you know, till five o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the evening, sometimes till six, would come home, cook dinner, be with us, provide for us, go to bed and do it all over again Monday through Friday. There came a point in time when my mother uh, uh, needed more money or my parents needed more money. And so my mom decided... I'm going to take the overnight shift because, uh, because then I can spend time with my kids uh, after, after school and then I, I can put them down and then they, I can go to work and they'll never miss me. And so what would, what would happen is that she would do exactly that and then around 7, 730, we, we would stay with my dad and so we got older and we would stay with my dad. She would go to work, work the overnight shift and come home. And so this was an ethic of hard work, y'all. That to the point when I started, uh, I was, I was going to go to college and my mom said, now, now look, she had to sit me down and say this, we don't have money to pay your studies, but what we do have is a roof over your head and food on the table. And so if you commit to us that you will go to school and work, we will provide all of those things. We'll provide a place for you to sleep. We'll provide a place for you to study if you would just go to school and work. So that meant for me, it was instilled in me an ethic of hard work. I went to school, uh, uh, went to school full-time, started working a part-time job. There came a point where I started going to school and full-time and working full-time. So, so I put myself through school. I got to see if and I, and I met this wonderful, beautiful woman named Lauren. Uh, she was the one that was standing over here. Yes, yeah, she's pregnant with our third. So, uh, so, so, so just met her and, and here's, here's the interesting thing is that when I met her, she was uh, 17, 18, yeah, I mean, she would, she graduated early, homeschool, you know, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry, baby. Uh, So, 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 uh, so we met and, and here's the deal. She's going, she's, she's going to school and also working and putting herself through school. She's going through school and, and working hard. So listen, hard work is not a problem in our family. Leaning on our own strength is not a problem in our family. Leaning into the giftings that the Lord has placed on us is not a problem in our family. So it was easy to rely on our giftings. And listen, the first seven years of our first year of our marriage was wonderful, great. Years two through, two through seven were some of the toughest times, and I'll tell you why. Because i relied so much on my giftings that I pr- pretty much just abdicated emotionally, uh, abdicated my 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 standing as a man, and I and I decided to be disconnected emotionally and spiritually from my family. And so what happened? I started, I started going to work and started getting the pats on the bat at work, uh, back at work. And then, whenever I would come home, I would provide and that's it. I wouldn't be fully there. So, in early 2017, and leave it up to the Lord to do this, January 23rd, my second son was born. And it was in that moment when everything took a shift in our family. Because I remember the day when he was born, and for whatever reason, there was no connection there. And so here's what happened that as, as, as our son was born, he didn't have a name until the second day. That's a whole nother story after he was born. But, but while I'm looking at this beautiful baby boy, for whatever reason, my heart was not able to connect with him. And through tears one day, uh, uh, my beautiful wife sat in front of me and said, hey, there's a lack of connection. Leave it up to children to bring up the issues that the Lord is wanting to convict you of, right? And so, and so what happened is that she sits in front of me and she says, hey, there's a lack of connection here. And of course, with our first, I was like, no way. But this time, it was as if the Holy Spirit just broke me in that moment. And I was, uh, I- I was broken, started going through counseling, the Lord began to deal with these issues in my life that I was unwilling to touch, and these issues related to fatherhood. That, that my parents, being hard workers, Meant that in many times I wasn't emotionally connected to them, not because they didn't want to be, it's because they worked so much that it was really difficult for me to, it was really difficult for them to engage me and pray with me and lead me spiritually that I had to rely on other things. And so the the practice was there, but the emotion was not. The practice was there, but the connection was not. And so December 2017 rolled around. And, and, and through that time, we started sensing that the Lord was shifting something. So watch this. Two people that were working hard and, and just had an ethic of hard work. All of a sudden, the Lord asked, asked us and, and to go through a season of trusting in him. And what did that look like? It meant quitting my job. And so here I am, the place where I get affirmation, the Lord is asking me, lay that down. Because the affirmation that I know that I was going to get, and I know that the provision that I that was going to come was actually not going to come through a job, but it was going to come through Jesus. And so, so, uh, so we started out January with this major shift, laid a job that I absolutely loved out, and so we started 2018 saying, We're going to trust in the Lord. But watch this. We still had this little thing in the back of our head that said, oh, we're going to trust the Lord maybe three to four months, and then and then, then, I'm going to have a job. So we started out January, one income, and then all of a sudden at the end of January, a major shift happened in the salon. So, so my wife is a salon owner. She's a mom. She's a salon owner. She's a, she's a queen. She's fierce. She, I mean, she's all of it, Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> Zach and I were talking and we were talking about life insurance and all of that stuff. And we'd be like, man, if our wives died, we'd be up a creek, you know? <laughs> and, so, and so, and so, and so all of that to say that that was, that was a bad joke, but anyway. <laughs> and we knew, but so there's a major shift that happened in the salon. We, we had to basically, uh, um, uh, Move from one salon to to another, and 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 then a remodel started happening. And so, what what was certain all of a sudden was uncertain. What was certain and 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 full of hope all of a sudden was fearful and uncertain. And 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 now we're saying, are we going to be able to make it now? Jesus, you you took my job. Don't take Lauren's job now. Now that's just, that's just too much there. And so we went through a salon remodel. As we're remodeling the salon, uh, we started noticing uh, that, and 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 through through teachers of our of our oldest son's um, uh, school that he was at said, "Hey, we we think that you need to." Uh, Potentially consider getting crew assessed, and so we started going through this educational assessment because we started noticing just some slowness in speech and some. And, and so, and so as we started going through that, man, I can't, I, I can't really tell you how bad. I, I can only describe in mere words what that felt like. But again, it was fearful. We were now spending money that we weren't expecting to spend. There were many nights that I would end up in the middle of the night asking and pleading with God, not just to increase our finances and to provide, but also to increase my son's capacity to learn to speak. Speak, Lord. Hmm. Sorry. Sorry. As if that wasn't enough, we, we were entering into the summer now. Uh, I remember I went out to lunch with a friend. And as I'm on my way back, I, 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 all of a sudden, we, I got into my home. And we noticed that someone had broken into our home. And, and they took a lot of things from us. And so I remember just being in there and just being in a state of despair. And just saying, oh, no, oh, no, what am I, what are we going to do? So now, mind you, three to four months is now five to six months. But then June came, and even though we were still in despair, the Lord was gracious to provide somewhat of a reprieve. Because one, it was Crew's birthday. And I remember thinking, man, they took the cash that we were going to pay our, our trip to take crew to be able to take Crew to SeaWorld. And I remember just saying, Lord, I, we're not going to be able to take them to SeaWorld anymore. And I guess I was praying that out loud because then my mom showed up to take care of the boys one night. And she goes, hey, I heard you say something about SeaWorld. Are you wanting to take crew? I was like, yeah. She goes, I got you. So we got to go to SeaWorld which was, I still had the picture, I wish I would have put it up, but but we got to go to SeaWorld and crew, I mean, you should have seen his face, and, and, and now, mind you, this entire time, I'm trying to connect with my boys on a, as a father, and I'm trying to connect with my wife as a husband, and so here I am, just being, just being pulled in so many different directions, but I'm still praying, Lord, you gotta do something. We entered into the second half of the year, um, going through uh, just just some difficult seasons of interviews that resulted in no job, which meant no income. The calling was being tested. The giftings were being tested. I even went online and signed up to be a Lyft driver. So if you see that car with the Lyft sticker outside, that's mine. And it's a reminder. The reason Lauren's like, you still got that sticker on there. I said, I know it's a reminder of the Lord's faithfulness to me. Because I remember, even though I got it back in May, it took me until October to be able to flip the switch and say, I'm on. And I still remember the day whenever I was sitting outside of a coffee shop and I called Lauren and I said, Lauren, I can't turn this on, baby. I said, because there is a lack of peace that I believe that the Lord is not wanting me to do this. And she goes, do what you need to do. And so, man, being that Lyft driver, I, 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 listen, I only made $120 because I was not committed to it. <laughs> no, nothing wrong. If you're a Lyft driver, hey, wonderful. Uh, b- kudos to you. That's not my gifting and that's not my calling. <laughs> Maybe it's not yours either, but it, I just can't do that. <laughs> and, so, and so let me say this. So November, December rolled around. Financers were coming down to the right. I started frantically thinking. I even at one point even texted my brother. And Yes, Lauren, I'm confessing this in front of everyone here. I texted my brother. I said, hey, bro, will you let us borrow some money? And then all of a sudden, immediately after that, she called me and she said, hey, don't worry. We, we, got, we got the bills paid. So I quickly texted my brother and said, hey, we don't need it anymore. Man, I'm telling you, I was trying to do things on, your, on my own strength. But let me just say this, that through it all, my connection with my wife just escalated. My connection with my, with, with my boys escalated. Fatherhood is now a joy. And through it all, we saw the Lord's provision, help. We saw his help. We saw his peace. And even though I was being frantic, Jesus the entire time was there saying, I got this. And so, and so as we come to Luke 9, and you're saying, Johnny, thank you, uh, but, but, but give me Bible. But, but let me just say this. Luke 9, we'll start in verse 10, and so here we go. And it says that when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done, and then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Here's what I want to say about this. Notice two types of groups here. You have the disciples who were walking with Jesus and you had a crowd who all of a sudden they heard about Jesus and so they started following him. And so here's what I want to tell you, that I need Jesus and I don't know about you, but Jesus' provision is for everyone. And I need him. I, I, I have no problem talking about how much I need him. And maybe at some other point, I, I, I can tell you how much I need him. But, but just, just bear with me for a little bit. I need him like a junkie needs a fix. I need him like an alcoholic needs a drink. I need him. I'm telling you, I need him more than the air that I breathe. And here are the people following after Jesus. And, And Jesus is not going to turn anyone away. It had been an intense time of ministry for his his disciples, and it says that he took them. And that word there, that he took them, uh, it basically means as a father is leading his child into the house for a place of safety and for a place of rest. And so here's Jesus leading his disciples after an intense time of ministry, and he could have said, no crowd, we're going to go rest. We're going to go rejuvenate. But the crowd, instead of doing that to the crowd, what, he, what the Bible says that he did is that he welcomed them. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And he healed those who needed healing. Don't neglect the crowd here. Because what we do know is that the sick were there with various diseases. What we can assume because they were in Bethsaida is that, is that the, the group of people that were around him were primarily people that were farmers, fishermen, homemakers. You also had some pretty elite people there. We also know because of the vast amount of crowd, or we can also assume that because there was more than 5,000 people there, that there were outcasts and just crazy people. But here's what Jesus did. He didn't say, hey, we're going to go rest. He said, welcome, come in. Let me tell you about the kingdom. Oh, you're sick? Let me heal you. And oh, the compassion of Jesus that whenever I say, Jesus, I need rest or Jesus, I need healing. He shows up and he welcomes me and he welcomes you. And he welcomed them all. He spoke to them about the kingdom. He healed them. And you may be sitting here today saying, I believe that God can provide, just not for me. Or you may be there saying, "Uh, you know, Johnny, I don't really lack anything. But here's what you do lack. Jesus Christ living in you and through you every single day. And so don't neglect that his provision is for everyone, and that includes you. That you can walk out of these doors and you can say, I need Jesus. I need not just his material things, but I need him because you need him every day. That's right. Luke 9, 12 through 13 then says, Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. And he replied, You give them something to eat. And they answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. Now watch this. Jesus' provision is confrontational. Again, there's there's two things that are happening here. The disciples are moved with compassion on the people and they realize we got to feed them. And and then they say to Jesus, Jesus, they need to eat. Send them away so that they can go eat. But Jesus then confronts them about a reality and he says, you feed them. Now, the gospel of John uh, says that he was doing this to test the disciples because Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But here are their disciples saying, what are we going to do? You see, Jesus' provision confronts the the present reality of our circumstances with the ever-present reality of who he is. Confrontation means this. It's a face-to-face encounter or a clashing of forces or ideas. You see, the disciples are in a real need, and they don't have the necessary means to provide it. What do they have? They have five loaves and two fish. And what's in front of them? Five More than 5,000 people. You see, in 2018, I was more focused on what I had in my hands than the person who was standing in front of me and his work that he was trying to do in my own life. I had abdicated being a man, meaning I had abdicated being a husband, a father, and a friend because I didn't trust God's faithfulness to provide. I, I didn't trust that God would use what I had, had, so I began to strive. I started acting in duty versus delight, which led to a disconnect. And instead of delighting in my wife, I started, I started giving my life because it was the right thing to do. Instead of, instead of loving my boys, I just started being around them because I didn't want to be like, like my dad, who, who man, loves us but was, was working most of the time. And, and I, I wanted to be around them because I didn't want to be a, an absent father. But it was a duty and not a delight. Which led to a disconnect. You see, on my own, I go into self-preservation. I keep my eyes focused on what's in my hands. I keep my eyes focused on on what can I do what can I do in order to provide for myself. I go into self-preservation mode. I see I cease to see Jesus and I begin to see and, and see and begin to see what I can do. See, for the, so I'm an Enneagram number one, which means I'm a reformer, okay? Yeah, other, other number ones in here. So it says that at my best, I'm tolerant, I'm accepting, I'm discerning, I'm wise, I'm humane, I'm prudent, I'm principled, I'm fair, and I'm able to delay rewards for a higher good. Man, that, that, that's incredible. When I read that, I was like, man. But then I get, yet under stress, it says... I become dissatisfied with reality. I become a high-minded idealist, feeling that it is up to me to improve everything. I become a crusader. I become an advocate. I become a critic. I'm into causes and explaining to others how things ought to be. I begin to look into my, my, myself, and here's the deal. We focus on what we have. Your, the food, the food in, this, in this case, is your everyday need. And you know what? I don't blame you, because culture around us is, is continually uh, uh, asking us two questions. Whenever uh, a t- new technology gets launched and they're presenting everything, the two highlights are, what are they? Do you remember two things that they highlight? What's this phone's capacity? And how fast does it go? Everything in our world is trying to ask you those same questions. And you spend most of your life trying to fulfill and answer these questions. What's my capacity and how fast can I go? But here is Jesus confronting you with the reality that God's provision and God's ability to provide is not limited to your capacity. God's ability to provide is not limited to your speed. Disciples were focused on the basket and Jesus is confronting them to say, you feed them. I'm standing in front of you. Will you get your eyes off of the basket and look at me? He already knew what he was going to do. You see, I'm a big soccer fan. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, Alfred is sitting in here, uh, you know, we were going, you know, walking back and forth in the lobby and my second Sunday, I was like, I know that guy. I don't know where I know him from. Third Sunday, I went up to him. You look familiar. He goes, yeah, everybody says that to me, you know, (laughs) he's a good looking dude, (laughs) but, but here's the deal. We started going down the line and we realized, Hey, we used to play club soccer back when we were 15 years old. Incredible. But here's what I'll say, that the entire time that I'm playing soccer, I can still, listen, the last time I played on my dad's team, I was 18. I'm now 34 years old. And to this day, I can still hear my dad say, look up, look up, look up. Because whatever you focus your eyes on is where you will end up. And so it means that, that if I'm looking at my present circumstance and cease to look up, I'm going to be so enveloped in, in this that I cease to see him. And so when my dad would say, look up, I don't know if Alfred remembers this, and I hope he doesn't, but I used to play forward, which meant that every time I would get close to a goal, instead of scoring, the ball would just go somewhere else. Why? Because I would not raise my eyes. And my dad just continually, look up, look up. Look up, look up. And what Jesus is doing here is that he's saying, look up, look up. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Are you going to trust in your own strength or trust in what Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can do through you? What are you going to trust this morning? Jesus' provision is confrontational. Jesus' provision is also communal. Verse 14, about 5,000 men were there, and he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. It's communal in your relationship with God and with others. I'm here to tell you, saints, you're not in this alone. That's right. But here's what Jesus says first. He tells his disciples, number one, have them sit down. You see, sitting down is, is this command is in all the gospel accounts. Jesus tells the disciples to tell the crowd to sit down. And when he tells them to sit down, it isn't equivalent to you sitting on a chair, actually. It's it's the equivalent of you of, of them reclining down, almost laying down. Because here's the deal: sitting down is a posture that they took in order to eat. And what Jesus is saying to you this morning is that sitting down is the posture we take to receive and partake of God's provision. What do you do after a long day? After a long day, listen, I'm an introvert. So the the staff here laughs at me because we've had some pretty long meetings here recently. And I go home and I tell them, listen, I'm about to go home and I'm going to go into a dark room and I'm just going to lay there for a few minutes. Okay? Okay. Lauren knows, I, listen, I come home, give her a kiss. I, 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 I'm with the kids for a little bit, and then I just kind of retreat for a little bit. Sometimes that, never mind. <laughs> I, I just retreat for a little bit, and then I'm ready to come back out because I need to get re-energized. But after a long day, you come home and you sit down for a little bit. But here's what Jesus is saying. Sitting down is the opposite of being anxious, you see, through that entire time that we were going through that, every morning I would wake up and I would say, I, I would say, Jesus, your love is better than life to remind me that I need to be sitting at his feet. I, I continually had to remind myself that I'm unable to provide for myself the, the way that only Jesus can. You see, Jesus in Luke 12 says, do not, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Because he says, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So what the pagan world is running after, he he says um, that that the pagan world runs after all these things, the things that they're worrying about. But here Jesus is saying, your father knows them, and all you need to do is to seek his kingdom, and those things will be added to you. So let's sit down, saints. And then, second, under his, his provision being communal, is that we need one another. We need each other to point each other back to Jesus. I can, I can imagine those 50, uh, those groups of 50 sitting around and they're pointing to Jesus. Look what Jesus is doing. During the last season, I had to have friends that, that kept continually pointing me back to Jesus. There would be times where my wife would have to look at me and say, Sit down, let's trust Jesus. Sometimes I had to look at Lauren and say, Lauren, sit down, let's trust in Jesus. Because we couldn't have made it through that season without people around us. Q life groups. The reason why we here encourage you to go to life groups is because we want you to be known, to walk vulnerably. Because what you don't know is that many times God's provision comes through the people that we are in community with. When our home was broken into, within five minutes, I had five men at my door ready to put um, uh, plywood over the window that they broke through. They paid for our window. They prayed for us, and 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 I actually felt sorry for those who broke into our home because the prayers that they were praying, let me tell you, <laughs> it's like, Lord, have mercy. You know, they're praying, and I'm like, instead of saying, yes, Lord, get them, I'm like, Lord, have mercy. I gotta be quick. Jesus, Luke 9, 16, he says that taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. Jesus' provision is divine. You see, when he says that he he took the bread, he 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 gave thanks and broke them, then he gave it to them. The word he gave is this word that it's a continual giving? If I do this right now and I start, I will eventually run out. But Jesus' is divinity in this moment yes, He is fully man, and yes, He is fully God. And He would come out, and, and in that moment, He started breaking bread, and He started breaking fish, and He started just giving, 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 and it just wouldn't cease. And we'll, we'll get to what happened here in a minute, but this giving. Was so, um, was so impactful to them that later on down in Luke 24, Jesus had resurrected, and, and there, there's Cleopas and his friend were walking down the road to Emmaus. Jesus appeared to them, and he pretended as if he would go further And he went in to stay with them. And as they started breaking bread, the Bible says that Jesus did this exact same thing. And in verse uh, verse 29, he says, they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And 30, when he sat at the table with him, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. And then verse 31, then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. You see, it was in that same moment when he did the same exact thing that their minds immediately went back to this exact moment of him, of feeding 5,000 people. Why? His provision is not about food, but it is about him. that he was able to do that, all of a sudden they recognize that Jesus is not just a man. He is a Messiah that is able to provide for every single one of your needs. The divine provision of God not only meets the needs in front of us, but it's also used to open people's eyes to who Jesus is. So here's why I'm telling you my story. Because I want your eyes to be open to the glory of Jesus. Jesus. I want your eyes to be open to who Jesus is so that when you see him and and you say, man, if he could do it for Johnny, he can do it for me. His provision is not limited to what you have. He takes what you have and he begins to multiply it. Multiply it. If you would just trust in him. And then watch this. I'm, I'm starting to get emotional. Forgive me. Verse 17 they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So, so before, before my disciples come up here, I want to show you a picture of what I did yesterday. This is what I did yesterday. So, so I, listen, whenever, whenever it's, it's, whenever I, I want to get in the story. So I wanted to taste what fish and, and bread tasted like. And so I'm a foodie at heart. Like in my family, man, we love food. We family style everywhere we go. So if you don't like that uh, and you want to go out to eat with us, just know that you're going to family style with us. I'm going to be reaching across the plate, grabbing your food and tasting it. I mean, that's just how we do it. Okay. I used to not be like that. And then my wife converted me. Like, like we're so, so much foodies that we can be eating at breakfast and be talking about what we're going to eat for lunch or dinner. And we can be eating lunch and then remembering what we ate for breakfast. Man, that was so good. Can we go eat? I mean, we can't wait till we get to dinner. Lauren has to watch me. Listen, I had to make fish and bread yesterday. And so this is what I made. Like, I, I love to cook. My family, we love to cook, so if we invite you over, I want to cook. Now, this right here is not. I, I just wanted to see what fish and bread tasted like. But, but, but listen, not only did Jesus uh, uh, give them food, they all ate and were satisfied. How many of us try to seek satisfaction in transient things? Yet culture only satisfies until the next best thing is available. Yeah. You see, the disciples... Uh, uh, whenever Jesus provided, their bellies are full and then the disciples started going around. Come on, disciples. They, they, they started going around and started picking up what was left over. You see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now in 2019 and it says that as they uh, were picking up, there was 12 basketfuls. That they picked up, yes, these are all, except for one is a basket from my house, yes. (laughs) They picked up 12 basketfuls. Listen, they started with one. And they ended up with 12. One for each disciple. Because the disciples were standing in front of Jesus and they said, Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, you feed them. And I can just see the disciples picking up this bread, and they're looking, and then they're looking at each other. We started with one. We end up with 12. You see, because Jesus not only provides for your needs, he provides them according to his riches and glory. He not only gives us life, he gives us life more abundantly, (laughs) He not only causes us to grow, he causes us to grow into vibrant oak trees. And this is, for me, one of the biggest victories that I just, it was just reminded me this past weekend. Crew and I, with Knox, we were walking into the Perot Museum. We got out of the car, and as we're walking in, he said this, he said, you're my father, right? And I go, I am. He goes, I'm your son, right? And I go, you are. And in that moment, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just saying, Johnny, there are your 12 baskets right there. Because he didn't know that I was his father beyond just, uh, uh, and, and, and and I'll finish with this. He didn't know that I was his father beyond just being present. But when he realized, you're my father, right? And I'm your son, right? We took a few more steps, and he stops me. I have knocks in one hand, and he grabs my leg, and he goes, Daddy, I love you. And you see, that moment for me, it may not be a big deal for you, but for me, it was one of those moments where I know I would do this all over again if he were to say that one more time. I would do this all over again just to hear her be able to say to me, Johnny, look what the Lord has done. I love you. So here's what I want to remind you. That Jesus' provision is for everyone. Jesus' provision is confrontational. Jesus' provision is communal. Jesus' provision is divine. And Jesus' provision is all satisfying. And here at Antioch, we believe that we are sons and daughters that encounter Jesus, practice his ways, build his kingdom in our city and in the nation and in the nations of the world. So you may be sitting in here today and you're saying, I don't even know what a son and daughter means. So I would encourage you, as you walk out of these doors, allow Jesus to tell you who you are. You're saying, Johnny, I I know that I'm a son and daughter, but I I need to encounter Jesus. Spend time with Jesus and allow his face to transform you. You're saying, Johnny, I need to learn how to practice his ways. How do I do that? I'm going to ask you to serve. Serve. And allow Jesus to multiply what you have in your hands. Give out the bread that he has given to you. So serve in our church. Serve in the ministries. Serve as a greeter. Serve in our children's ministry. Because you will see that the, that, that the gifts that the Lord has given in your hands, if you would just look up to him, he will multiply that and start impacting generations and people that are coming into our church. Serve, family. Practice his ways. 3 I'm practicing. I'm serving. Build this kingdom. That's where I have a problem. It's time to start walking in the call that he has on your life for our city, for our nation, and the nations of the earth. And start, start asking Jesus, Jesus, where would you have me to go in order that I can give out your bread to people? And you may be in here and you're saying, this is the first time I've ever heard of anything like this. Well, let me just say this that the most important provision that God has provided is Jesus Christ. And we were once alienated from God because of sin, but God sent his son Jesus in order to reconcile us back to the father that we can enjoy right relationship with Jesus. And listen, this life that we live here, it's, it's, not, it's not a life uh, of ease, So I'm not gonna promise you that. It's actually a life unto resurrection. I'm not gonna say unto death because death is not final. And it is Jesus who died on the cross that is able to give us eternal life. So if you're in here today and you're saying, I've never heard of this Jesus, know that Jesus has died for you, that you may enjoy right standing with God and live with him for for all eternity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to know if there's anyone in this room who is saying, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. And if you would just raise your hand right there where you're at. Let's all pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need your grace and forgiveness. Save me that I may enjoy right standing with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to go into a time of communion and know that that is Jesus' body and blood that was provided for us to atone for our sins, to heal our sickness and diseases and remind us of his provision for us. So whenever I'm gonna ask the officiants to come up here and as we worship and once they're ready, please make your way down here and take part.